Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Disclosure, as you know, I have a relationship with the longest standing, the first licensed to still be active today judge in all of Nevada and New Jersey, which are the two states that catapulted our sport. It's very relevant. That's Douglas Crosby. And you know that I believe while I can call shots down the middle, it is important to tell you guys when I have that relationship. Now, look, I'll share with you. It's been a little bit annoying and maybe even uh, go as far as tough. I don't know that any judge has been discussed in the history of our sport to the level that Douglas has been discussed. And I've heard people talking about him. But for the first time today, we're going to talk with him. And with that said, Douglas, can you hear me? Uh, yeah, fella, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I got you. Welcome. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm going to dig right into this. And if I get a little wordy, I apologize in advance. But I have thought about going into judging. I've thought about going into refing. I'll use just Chris Lieben, an old teammate of mine, as an example. I see him, and he's participating in the sport in California. It's very hard to participate in this sport if you're not in there doing the sport. So when I thought about this, one of the things that did detour me, where I thought on a human level, Chael, you're not cut out for this, is the judges and the referees, the timekeepers, even some of the executives, for that matter, don't have a voice. It's quite literally part of the arrangement. You come and do this, and that's all. You live in the shadows. And for me personally, that would be tough. And Douglas, I really want to know, has it been tough for you, not just this last week, I'm talking about throughout your journey to be talked about, but not to be able to talk back? Well, you know, I've been working in the film business for 34 years now. And um, you're not supposed to see or hear me there either you know the actors do all their own stunts so I, i'm i was already kind of conditioned to the fact that um a certain level of discretion was going to be involved in judging mixed martial arts because i had already had a, a portfolio of discretion that predated mixed martial arts by more than a decade so uh, as far as having a voice I, my voice is the work i do that's that's my voice my voice is the score I turn in. My voice is setting up action sequences and, and then performing them safely. And then the producer who owns that intellectual property sells it to people. And that part of the arrangement is one I'm happy to uh, be part of. Well, I can respect and appreciate that. I will tell you, to be second guest, I just imagine would be hard. Now, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, right? I mean, I'm, I remember my mother telling me that when I was a little boy, that it was one of the golden rules of life. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. <clears throat> There's two scores that came in. They came in back to back. And I think that's very relevant because I think one of the reasons... There's any kind of a issue or discussion remaining on judging. I just don't remember this. I remember the night that Evander Holyfield was gifted a draw 
against Lennox Lewis. And it was absolutely shocking that that happened. And it was gone by the next morning. I don't really recall a time when there's a discussion. Look, I want to go back to Stotts Sabatello. Now, that's a fight that I watched. And when that fight was over, I watched it with my hot-ass wife, Brittany. She asked me who won, and I said, I don't know. The very next night, there was a fight with Patty Pimlet and Jared Gordon. And when that fight ended, I was asked in the small gathering I had who won. And I said, I don't know. I'm known as a fairly opinionated guy, but I will share with you there are some intricacies within the sport that I'm glad I'm not put in that position. You were in that position, and now essentially, for lack of a better term, you're being second-guessed. Have you gone back and rewatched the fights? Do you listen to that criticism? Okay, I can probably answer both of those questions with one answer, which is that there is a system and protocols in place for officials to comment on fights that they have judged. And I respect that. And there is a process in place for any fighter who is interested in information about how their fight was judged. That information is based upon the officials using the scoring criteria. And any fight, not just this past weekend, or any fighter is welcome to contact the administrators and ask them about that process. As far as me commenting on particular fights right now, or maybe ever, um, that is up to the discretion of the administrators. And that's not me trying to duck out of hard questions about judging fights, but there is a process and I respect the process. If I veer off just slightly, but I've been meaning to tell you this. I've been friends with you 20 years, and I haven't told you this story. Rulon Gardner's coming back to wrestling. Rulon Gardner as uh, in... Oh, that's the guy. Wait, is that the guy who was, had like a snowmobile wreck or something? Yes. He lost his fingers or something? Three. It was toes, but Whoa. yes. Yes. Oh, damn. The Olympic I champion. remember that. that. That was a while back, though. Yes, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I went out to Colorado to just watch his matches. He was coming back. When I was in Colorado... Oh, no, no, wait, he's, no, wait, wait, he's like scrapping again. He's out there on the mats? Yes. Oh, yes. that's tremendous news. And for, I, you know what? For another old fat guy, that's good news. Well, and I'll tell you, it's not just talk. Like, TMZ had covered this. It's all talk until the guy actually pulls up the straps and gets on the mat. That happened... Last week nice. in Colorado, now I used to live out in the Springs, and it's it's a major military hub, if you will. We've got a, a presence with the Air Force, with the Army, with the Marines, all out in Colorado. A guy comes up to me, and he hands me a book, and a page is folded. And he says, I know you know Douglas Crosby. Tell him thanks from all of us. And this was a military man. He doesn't say much else, and I'm trying to give him time. I'm trying to give him attention, but I, I was getting pulled in a couple directions, but I did take the book. So when I get home later, I open the book and I go to the page that he had marked. And it was a story about one of our veterans who was injured in battle. And you brought that veteran into the Screen Actors Guild and gave him a part on The Wrestler, Mickey Rourke's big movie. Was this 2006, maybe even 2008? The oh, point wow. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but the point is, it meant something to him. I told him that I would thank you. And why haven't you told me that story? How did you find this guy and why'd you put him in the movie? Well, that 
that's Brian's story. Like what, why I didn't tell you is because that's Brian's story. That's not my story. I mean, I was lucky enough to be a, a, a very, very small chapter in, in that hero's story, but that's his story to tell. That's his story to tell the way he wants to tell it. And that story is his property. It's not mine. So if he wants to write about that in a book, he's welcome to. If he wants to keep that private, he's welcome to. That's well. That's the way it works for anybody. I try to help. And and that's that's um. You know, I talk to him once in a while, and uh, he'll wind up. He's always going to be a member of our team. He's always going to be a member of my stunt team. And um, we'll have him back someday. You know, when the circumstances are right, when the conditions are right, uh, and the right project comes along, uh, the kids who work for me now will find a spot for him. And uh, we'll we'll give him something else to do. But I'm I'm glad he's doing he's, I'm glad he's doing good. And uh, it was an honor to be able to do something for him. I I didn't I didn't expect to talk about that. You know, the, but um, but since he's already put the book out, I really can't avoid it. But that's uh. That was nice of him. That's nice of him to write about. It was very cool. It was a very cool thing. And Douglas, if I can steer us back just a little bit, there was a lot made. A lot. As a matter of fact, I'll go as far as to tell you it was the one commonality from pundits that spoke about Stott Sabatello, Pimlet Gordon, and your involvement. But the one commonality is that those were back to back nights. And I've just never in my life been insulted for working more than regular people. I've never been insulted for getting to places on time that make somebody turn their head and go, wow, how did you do that? And I'm told, I got to tell you, I haven't confirmed this, but one of the great executive directors in our sport is a man named Andy Foster, who oversees the entire state of California. I'm told, I've got to word it like that in case this didn't actually happen. That Andy yesterday passed a new resolution that just simply said judges will not do Friday and Saturday night. They will pick, they will separate. I'm fine with that. But has that example surprised you that somebody would be critical about that? I mean, what happened to the day when we complimented a guy? You remember the great Jeremy Horn? Jeremy Horn used to fight back to back days, but we praised it. What was your thoughts on that? Well, I can't comment on any uh, resolution or decision by any administrators because I don't know anything about that right now. I've been traveling um, and working since then, and uh, I don't I I don't really have up to date moment by moment uh, understandings of, of any of that. I, I I can only do what I can do, but um, like you. I'm a member of the working class, all right? You were a plumber. Nobody knows that about you, right? You were a plumber. And you remember the working class. Now, whatever happens to you for the rest of your life, the sentiments and the sensibilities that you have are going to be rooted in your lifetime attachment to the working class. And, and I'm no different than you. I, I work for a living. And I travel and then I work again and I have people's lives in my hands when I do that. And my safety record is extraordinary for that. The people can't under, here's one other group of people who are members of the working class overwhelmingly. 
the fighters. The fighters are all members of the working class. Uh, a few adjuncts who are members of the working class are the coaches and the cornermen and the cutmen and the inspectors are all members of the working class. And anyone who criticizes people for working, you can, you can probably look into the data of people who criticize working class people and find some commonalities. One of the commonalities you will probably find is that the people making those critiques are not members of the working class. Like anybody involved in MMA who would criticize or complain about that, about doing what working class people do, has probably not been in the lobby of the hotel in a second tier city after an event at 2.45 in the morning after the restaurant is closed. And since it's a second tier city, there are no other restaurants and they're sitting in the lobby of that hotel eating a power bar or a Slim Jim or whatever they found in their knapsack to eat, knowing that they've got to catch a 5 a.m. shuttle to the airport. Now, I know how that feels because I'm in that lobby too, right? I, I travel on those shuttles and I sit in those coach seats for the fighters and for the sport. You'd have to ask yourself before you accept that as valid criticism, I would qualify the source of that criticism and say, is this a working class person making that critique or is it a fabulously wealthy person making that critique? And you'd have to, you'd have to assign a value to the criticism based upon the person doing the criticizing. Just like you have to assign a value to an almost infinite number of techniques after watching them being performed by the best athletes in the world for five minutes, you've got to assign a numerical value to what you just saw. And on average, you get about 15 seconds to turn that score in. And if you, if you write off about five of those seconds in the, for the time it takes to write it, that leaves you about 10 seconds to make a decision about who won around and who lost around in, in the most sophisticated, dynamic sport featuring the best athletes in the world. As a judge, that's what you are doing. And I do everything I can to avail myself of whatever knowledge and insight I can get from the fighters, first and foremost, from the fighters. Like if I want to know what the coaches think, all I have to do is go on the internet and I'll find out what the coaches think. And primarily it will be how stupid the judges are. I mean, if I want to find out how stupid all the judges are, all I need to do is go on the internet. But if I want to find out how the fighters feel and what the fighters are thinking about and what the fighters are going through, the best way to do that is to talk to the fighters. I mean, that's pretty simple. Like, well, I, if it's two in the morning and we're, and we're doing a stunt and it has to do with rigging with cables and stuff like that, 
would I go over to the publicist and ask the publicist what's going on? Or would I go and talk to my riggers, the guys who put all that stuff up, the guys who know how it works and the guys who live and die with it? Like those are the guys, those are the people I, whose opinion I would value and solicit first. And so I always try to talk to the fighters. And Douglas, I have a question, but I have a feeling it's going to no, come out. The answer is no. no <laughs> right. The answer is no. No, that. What? I have a feeling it's going to come out more as a statement. So if you can help me out on the backside of this. But I came from the world of amateur wrestling. And in amateur wrestling, we had three officials. And when a match would take place, two of the officials had to agree. And this is live. This is in real time. So this would happen six and seven. And it could happen a dozen or more times in one match where one guy would throw up two points and the other guy would throw up three. And then you go to the third to make the decision. Does he agree with the three or the two? But when the whole thing was done, there was a tally and the officials would go in the back and whoever had a dissenting score would be asked to defend some of those scores. It was very simple. It was used as a learning experience. It was done in public in front of all of the other officials and they went home. Does something like that happen in judging? And the reason I ask that is the Patty Pimlet fight was unanimous. It wasn't a split. And I, I would only wonder if, could you get in the back and then have three judges that all agreed with each other have to defend how that would work? Am I asking that clearly? Did, did anything happen after the Patty well, Pimlet fight? That, I, maybe that's my question. All of, all of the administrators and all of the judges collaborate. We all discuss every decision. Like when you talk about MMA administration, has become so dynamic and so focused on excellence that it's, we all talk about everything. Like when you think about administrators like Mike Mazzulli, when you think about administrators like Jeff Mullen, Kim Sumbler, Todd Anderson, uh, Greg Alvarez and Gus Calderon and, and Andy Foster, you are thinking about people who have, made tremendous, tremendous strides to make MMA administration the very best it can be. Oftentimes, on their own time, oftentimes, when they should be off the clock, they're working hard to make everything better for everybody. But most of all, they are trying to make it better for the fighters. Like, there is no perfect way of administrating anything, much less something this new, this incredibly sophisticated, and moving this fast. They're not, I've only seen perfection twice in my life. And um, perfection's really hard to get. And, and sometimes, and it's gonna sound slightly abstract, but sometimes, the imperfections are what make things interesting, like like, like video games, right? If you're going to play a video game, if the video game, if you can solve the video game quickly, it, it winds up getting sold back to GameStop, right? Nobody keeps that game around if it's just perfect. It needs to be solvable, but it also needs to be difficult. And it needs to have flaws. Like, how about that idea? How about the idea that 
Some of the flaws in the game make the game more interesting. Right? Like I said, I've seen two, two perfect things in my life, and I don't really – I disassociated myself from both of them because th their perfection made them unattainable for me. One of them is a song, which is called God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, and the other one is a golf club. And, and it's an interesting story about that golf club. It's called the Ping Zing, and it's an iron. And it was the follow-up to the most successful iron in the history of golf. My friend Kenny Green played him for decades. And the Ping I-2 was a great golf club. But then an administrator decided that it was illegal. And he bowed to the pressure of other golf club companies who were competing with the Ping I-2. He bowed to their pressure and made the ping I-2 illegal to, to use in USGA tournaments. The, the big problem was he then put himself in the crosshairs of the guy who owned the company that manufactured the ping I-2, which is a company called Karsten Manufacturing. And the individual he decided to knock heads with was a Danish engineer named Karsten Solheim. And Karsten Solheim took him on and said, you have to prove, based upon science, that my clubs give players an unfair advantage. And you have to stop listening to my competitors or my critics who have not done the science. And they went to court over it. And Karsten's manufacturing company uh, was was a, a big company, but it certainly was no match for the money that the USGA could could muster up. But after a few years of them fighting in court, the USGA's attorneys came to that came to the USGA and said, "Well, you know what? He's right." And the USGA had to settle with Karsten. But in the meantime, all the time and all the effort that he had put into the Ping I two, he then put into another golf club called the Ping Zing. And the Pings with the introduction of the Ping Zing, and I think it was 1992. Um, with the with the introduction of the Pingsing, perfection was achieved. The golf club went exactly where you steered it with your swing. But the problem, the Pingsing was nowhere near as successful as Ping I two, because perfection forced you to look inside if something went wrong. Right? If if you hit the if the club went dead straight every time, which it did but the ball didn't wind up where you wanted it to go, then you did something wrong, not the club. And that forced you to look inside. And like for me as a golfer, I, I kind of needed the clubs to take some of the blame. <laughs> In order to get out there the next day, I had to, you know, make the uh, golf club take some of the blame. So perfection has its own pitfalls. And we are on the infancy of, uh, of uh, MMA. I mean, it sounds like it's been around a long time, but, it's 20, 25 years, and that's the blink of an eye when you think of the amount of time that other sports have had to develop a grammar and to develop a system that rewards successful achievement. And we are working towards that, but other sports that are out are, who are older than MMA by 100 years still have controversies in scoring. And, and that's it. Maybe that's unavoidable. Maybe the controversies are what move the sport forward. How's that? Like, how's that? Like, it is, uh, I won't bore you with any more long stories that don't really have to do with MMA, but um, 
imperfections make things stronger sometimes like alloyed metals right you got you got iron and you make a sword out of iron and it works but it bends or it breaks and it rusts so you add other things to the mixture of iron to turn it into steel and for, at first you say well you're 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 making the iron impure it's a, it's no it's not perfect anymore but the imperfections make it better and that's that you have to really undergo a revolution of thinking to understand that if you're a guy with an iron sword and you want a new one and you go to the blacksmith and he's trying to pour something else in there in the mix you're like no 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 the last one was fine it just rusted and you're like and and, and well wait a minute let's see what we can do here so things move forward Failure moves things forward as much as success, right? There's a great book called The Art of Failure by a guy named Jesper Ewell. And it's a book more about video games than it is about anything else. But it talks a lot about how failure moves the process forward too. Long story. Go on. I appreciate it. But if if, if I was to cap this and I could only ask you one question, my, my one question would be, what do we do now? I Like, where does it go from here? How much of that is your decision? I mean, at some point, again, I'm following the golden rule. My mother taught me. I'm putting myself in your shoes. I mean, at some point, you look around and say, is this something that I want to continue doing? And I really don't want any judge in the spotlight. I I, I truly don't. But when I do look at the Patty Pimlet decision, Douglas, I don't know who the other two judges were. I They've never made the headlines. There was never a talk of, you know, let's sit them down. Let's bring a light on this. Where were they yesterday? at eight o'clock and I don't want there to be, but that should tell you something about the nature of the attention that's being paid to me. And if you want to talk in a week, I will, I'll make myself available again and I will make you understand why all that attention is being paid to me. And I will make you understand the people involved in that. And I will make you understand what their motivations are. And those motivations go back to New Jersey and they go back to 2011 and the people involved in this are people in the pocket of someone who was involved in something in New Jersey in 2011 that was irregular that I objected to and when you put all those pieces together and it's not a conspiracy theory it's something that is part of the common historical record it's part of what we call facts and i will give you a better idea what those facts are and how they apply to this situation because what's this uh, f scott fitzgerald the last line of the great gatsby is and so we beat on boats against the current board back ceaselessly into the past anything that's happening today in mma is based upon things that have already happened. And for my part, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, my schedule is dictated by the film business first and foremost, and I don't know what that schedule is in the new year, but for the next couple of weeks, I got doctor's appointments and I got a bunch of other stuff. I don't even think there's any fights for the next couple of weeks, but I honestly don't know. And I don't know if I'm assigned to any of them, but in the meantime, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to continue to move forward for the fighters and I'm going to continue to try to seek out the fighters by going to the gyms and listening to what they have to say. And like, here's an interesting thing over the last 15 years, when you talk to the fighters, right? The overarching 
comment, and I'm not going to call it a complaint, I'll call it a comment or a concern, is that effective grappling is not given enough weight in the scoring criteria. And recently, I don't know how recently, but recently the scoring criteria has been modified and updated so that effective striking and effective grappling are considered equal. And if effective grappling is considered the equal of effective striking, and then you look at any of my scores through that newly ground mental lens, the, the scores may become easier to understand. But that has to do with reading and understanding the criteria. And I'm not sure. I don't know who does that and who doesn't. But I do know that when I talk to fighters, they are overwhelmingly intelligent and articulate and courageous. And I respect them all, for better or worse. And that, that's, uh, that's what moves me forward is what's best for the fighters, not what's best for the coaches or the media, but for the fighters. And any fighter knows that they can discuss anything with me in private at any time. All right, Douglas, it sounded like at some part in there you have offered uh, to come back for a follow-up show. If I heard that right, I'm going to take you up on that. Yeah, just give me a call. Call Jen and, and set it up like you did this time. You know, I got a rotary dial cell phone here. Yeah, what, is have... it, what does that mean, by the way? Vincent had told me that. I, I was texting with Vincent. What is a rotary? I used to have a rotary phone, but that's where okay. you like put All your right. finger in and you turn it, and there's no way that you have a current one. So what does that mean? Oh, yeah, I do. I do have a current one, and I got it about a year and a half ago from a woman named Justine Haupt. And Justine is a scientist. She's a scientist I collaborate with. And she works out on Long Island at one of the labs out there. And she made it her mission to build by herself a rotary dial cell phone. No text, just a dial phone. And she accomplished that. And the, the, the hurdles she went through to build that have been extraordinary. But she's a genius. And she's got a company called Sky's Edge Technology. And for me, I, I was much more used to and comfortable with the rotary dial cell phone. And this is something interesting. One of the reasons I was is the time it takes to dial a phone number might be the time you need to give a second thought to what you're going to say when somebody picks the <laughs> phone up, right? And just really give that a minute's thought. It seems like an imperfection like we were talking about before. But for me... The, the time it takes to go, and yeah, it takes a minute or two, and it's not as ease of use, but in the long run, for me, it's been worth it. Like, I only got maybe 10 people's phone numbers in the phone, right? And everybody else, I got I have to call somebody else and say, get in touch with X, Y, and Z. But in that interregnum, in that time frame in between... Me using the rotary, rotary cell phone to call somebody and that person being contacted, a little time passes that allows everybody to stop and think. And that's one of the things I think we're missing, even in MMA, uh, even in the way people comment on MMA fights, like people don't, and there's about radicals and it's true in modern society and you know Jacques Vallée who helped create the internet said this to me yesterday he was like we probably should have had 5,000 years more to develop as social creatures before we got the gift of the internet 
Like we should have been better at being wise and being patient first before we got the cell phone. And, and, and I thought about it and I said, maybe he's right. Like, that's a good point. Like, cause now being honest and being right are second tier. Like there's subsidiaries to being first and being loud, right? Being, being right and honest now takes a backseat to being first and loud. If you say it first and say it loud and keep saying it, nothing else has a way to get in. Right. And that's the problem is like the second the fight's over, people are already saying, already commenting on it. There have been occasions where guys are commenting on fights from the prelims while judges are still judging the fights. And then other people start texting the judges. Hey, this is what this guy said about your score 45 minutes ago. And I'm like, is that, is that, can that be good? Is that really good for anybody, including the fighters? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe time will tell, but I believe that we need to kind of reappraise all of this. If you want good judges and good judging, they cannot fear the lurking shadow of millionaire pundits. When it comes to the decisions they make, they can't fear the lurking shadow of members of the media. And I have great respect for genuine members of the MMA media. They think I'm like some hostile bogeyman. But, you know, we're not supposed to talk to the press. And but any reporter who comes up to me in person at a show and wants to just talk about judging philosophy or or any of the things that people should take into account any one of them. Like Kevin Ioli can come, come up and talk to me. Chuck Mindenhall can come up and talk to me. You can come and talk, come up and talk to me. A lot of the people who are in the MMA, MMA media already have a preconceived notion and they're only going to take out of that notion or out of whatever you tell them what confirms that bias. That's called confirmation bias. It's an old trick and it works way too often. But any fighter can come up and talk to me. Any MMA member of the MMA media can come up and talk to me. I have great respect for a lot of those guys. The ones who do the work and had their boots on the ground, like Kevin Ioli, could ask me anything at any time. The millionaires who second guess everybody and snipe from their mansions, not so much. But this is the world we live in. We live in the world of the internet. Everybody's got three lives now. They got their private life, they got their public life, and they got their internet life. It's like three separate avatars that now live your life. And in the old days, we just had ourselves. Like when I got to put a score on the card, it's my name on the card. It's not a screen name, right? It's not some made-up name. Like years ago, you know, guys in, in commission-oriented positions, to put it as diplomatically as possible, but go, Oh, look at what this guy on the internet, yeah, armbar Viking 62 said, you got that one wrong. And I'm like, uh, who's that? And like, well, we don't know. I said, well, then why are we qualifying his opinion in a positive way? If we don't know who he is, if he's not there, maybe wasn't there. Like when I do judge, I'm sitting right in the front and I put my own name on the card every single time. And um, those are the people I respect. You know, the fighters can't fight with a screen name, right? <laughs> like they got to go into their real names and they got to win or lose using their real names and their real identities. They got to put their ass on the line all the time. And so I respect that. And um, 
all right, they're looking for me. I got to go give a guy a putting lesson of all things. It's freezing cold here, but I got to go out and help this guy a little bit because he's going overseas to play in a little while. But um, all right. yeah, call me in about a week, right? I got you. I'll, I'll try to always talk to you about stuff. Yeah, next week might be uh, interesting. All right. Enjoy the holidays. I'll take you up on that offer. Thank you, Douglas. All right. All right. See you later. All right, guys, that's it for today's show. If you enjoyed it, head on over to Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you like and what you dislike. And thank you for the support. I can't say it enough. I'll be back in the near future. But until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.